randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say, I can't wait to say, oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Not Bland Show. I am your host, Dujanae Bland. We're powered, of course, by SportsJourney.com and everything Nitro. Man, we got a great show, more drag racing, and I love it. Some great stuff. I know you guys are going to enjoy it, so let's get to it. Um, You know, a lot of good stuff happening in Funny Car, and this couldn't even be an even better story here. Uh, he is now the driver of the Skag Power Equipment Funny Car. It that car, you know, that car placed fifth last year, so he's got something on his hands. But uh, I think he's more than up to the challenge. It is my guy, Daniel Wilkerson. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's awesome. How are you? Oh man, having a good time. I am doing great. The weather's. A little better, a little better. I, I'm not happy about the 80 degrees, but um, it was like in the low 20s, so I, I'm kind of liking it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a little better than that. <laughs> yeah, we're up from a zero, I think. We're up to 35 today, so it's awful nice here, too. Woo-wee, shorts weather. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Man, so you've been doing the media rounds, and I tell you, you had a car that you – went to seven semis with that you were, uh, I called the offensive coordinator for. Um, You had two runner-ups, one win. Tell us about the season a little bit. And it seemed like you really started to get a handle of that car for Chad Green. Um, And those seven semifinals was the most in funny car, by the way. Yeah, we're really proud of our season over there, Chad. Uh, We – we didn't start from nothing. We had a lot of help from Tim Wilkerson. Uh, we were able to acquire um, a lot of good parts over the off season, uh, including, but not limited to cylinder heads. So we had a really, really thick playbook on what to do uh, in a lot of different conditions. So that played into our hands really perfectly uh, last yeah. season. And we were able to utilize it and capitalize a lot. That's it's awesome when you can do that. Um, you know, it, it's, because it, it doesn't happen all the time. Like, it's just – drag racing is just one of those things. Sometimes you don't have that groove and you don't have that little streak, and then sometimes you do. And it's nice when you're able to kind of sit in the pocket and be able to to just keep doing what you know you can do and be consistent about it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, if you could just do what you did last time everywhere we went, uh, there'd be a lot more people that were really good at it. So uh, – yeah. For it to work out for us last year, uh, to be able to use the information that Tim had provided in the past, uh, that was it was extremely helpful and it worked out perfectly. So now we look forward to 2024, and you're now the driver of the funny car that your dad used to drive. 
Now, this was was this something that just popped up or this has kind of been in a conversation and kind of been in the works for a while? You know, this has kind of been the dream uh, for our family for about 15 years. Um, we, uh, for a long time, maybe, maybe had aspirations to do two cars possibly, you know, yeah. uh, but in the end, before we were hanging our hats up on the whole drag racing deal, we really wanted to get this done at least, at least one season. So to say it was a, a surprise or happened really quick is not necessarily 100% true, but, uh, for Skag Power Equipment to give us the opportunity to do it this year uh was a bit of a surprise to me yeah this year for it to happen so fast i didn't see it coming and i'm incredibly grateful and super excited yeah it has to be exciting to be able to get into a car that you know has placed high i wouldn't say there's any pressure because i think you're a guy who's pretty loose and and goes into things a little bit differently um with this car the off season what has the preparation been like i know probably there's some things that need to be changed uh what have you guys been doing to get ready for this uh pro superstar shootout race here that's coming up yeah um that's gonna be a big deal for us too since skag's the primary sponsor of of that event as well so it's a kind of our uh kind of our hometown race for us now at this point no extra added pressure of course but uh honestly um you would think you could just, you know, rip a name off the side of the body and stick another name on there, but it it's proven to be a little bit more work than that for us. Uh, <laughs> once we get the the beginning of all this stuff set up, we'll we'll be in good shape. Um, uh, as far as mechanically, we got a few new parts this year that we're going to run on Tim's car. So uh, it's been it's going to come not down to the wire, but it's been a busy off season. It hasn't been lackadaisical at all. No, it's. Your seat, you're in the seat, it's your car. Are you a, a push parachute guy or are you a pull parachute guy? Uh, I'm a push on the side. I'm not a roof guy. Ah, why? <laughs> uh, I So when I first started driving funny cars, I did have it on the roof. And uh, I watched a video of Del Warsham blown up somewhere. And the body went like that. And yeah. in the in-car cam, you can see him going like this, and he ain't getting nothing. So I said, from now on, mine are going to be right here. So even if the thing buckles, I can still reach him, right? That's a smart deal. I, and it, it makes it a little easier to go, you know, shoots break, too. It's all right in one spot. You can do both yeah. kind of one motion. Now, are you having to move things back or forward? Are you a little taller, a little shorter than Pop? I'm a teensy bit taller, but... Uh, honestly, we've pretty much every time I got in his car, we've made no changes. I just slide right in. Now you've done this before. It's not like you haven't never driven a funny car before. Um, coming in and having to, you know, your first hit is likely going to be at the pro superstar shootout qualifying session. Um, is it like riding a bike or are there some things that you kind of have to get back in sync as you know, you start this, uh, journey of being able to drive and being able to drive consistently every you know each and every time so for me uh, i'm in a bit of a unique situation where i've done it for a long time but not many times over that long time right so every time i get into thing it's kind of i've had a year off almost so i'm quite used to the uh the shaking the rust off so 
takes me probably two passes to get like right back where I was. And then another two, I'd say for me to get back to like competing form. So I usually say it takes me four runs to get back. And of course, the more runs you make, the better you wind up getting too. So in the middle of the season, you hopefully you'll see uptick. Now this question from uh, John Schaff, I think I got that right. Uh, He says, will Daniel ever drive the record setting top fuel altered that Tim owns? Uh, John Schaff uh, knows that if I could, I would. <laughs> I would love to drive that sucker. But, you know, that thing was uh, Hartman and Timmy's baby. Uh, so to try and take uh, Hartman out of the seat would be selfish and quite rude, honestly. So if they, if we were to drag that thing back out, uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't drive it if they let me. But uh, to take it from Hartman just doesn't seem right. So will that family sticker stay on the back of the car? Uh, Nicole Clark's question. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> actually, I think we wound up taking off. So I think she's referring to the sticker actually says uh, to my loving wife, and it's got my mom's name on there. And then it says all the kids' names. And actually, it's got my kids' names on there now. So maybe we'll do some version of that at some point. But we have stricken it from the record, I believe, on the body, our primary body. Gotcha. So you have done the crew chief thing and your dad is going to be crew chiefing. My question is, will this be a collaborative effort or it's pops calls the shots. I just drive. Well, it'll be pops calls the shots for sure. Um, But I think I might be in a little bit of a unique perspective to offer some uh, Intel from inside the car, right? Um, Having, worked on them and drove them uh, in the past. Uh, I, I have a little bit of an idea of when it does like a little move or a little rattle. Um, you all, you can't always see that on a computer. So I can add that input. And um, I've actually tried that before. I've been like, hey man, I think slowed out a little bit when it, when it left and he'll just go, well, that's because you drove it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you drove it that way, didn't slide out. I'm like, okay, okay. So we're learning both ways, right? I'll, I'll be able to give a little input and maybe tell me that's not exactly what I felt. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of like uh, I liken it to a guy who's played like safety or a corner in college and then they move him to maybe a linebacker or a hybrid spot um, because you kind of because you played the position or you know exactly what's supposed to happen on the opposite side of the ball. And so you kind of understand him are a little bit more well-rounded about where players are supposed <laughs> to be offensively. And I, I think I liken that to the fact that you've worked on it and you crewed it, crew chiefed it. So you have a little bit different perspective of, you know, from the time the car leaves till it gets to the finish line. Yeah, I think you're right. And I've been in spots too where the thing makes a move and I, it's crazy how time stops in that stupid car. It's nuts. But the thing will make it, it'll do something weird and I'll think, man, that seems like when I was working on the thing back in 17, it did that to – to Brian Stewart, I'm pretty, and then I'll be, oh, what? that means I should shut it off. So then, <laughs> then you shut it off. It takes a second to process, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it definitely, off. It, it's definitely gonna be helpful. Now, Matt Hagen once said that he could, when he leaves, he can see the tree as he passes. Can you see, is that, is it that much of a, if you talked about things slowing down inside the car, is it that slow that you can actually once you've done this enough that it just becomes natural everything kind of 
slows down in the car and you can kind of see where you are at different points in the, you know, at on the track? Yeah, the more uh, that comes with runs, right? So I've driven, I've driven a super comp car and a top alcohol funny car. And obviously the fuel car bunch too. But um, in those cars, like in the super comp car, I, you could get to the point where you could tell sometimes if you at first even, because you could tell by the top bottles going out. Yeah. So, and I've heard Sean Langdon and uh, maybe, maybe I've heard Matt Hayden say it before too, but I've heard Sean Langdon for a fact say, oh yeah, I knew I left on him. I seen my bottle go out first. It's like, man, I don't know how you slow stuff down that much in that stupid car. But uh, with laps, and that dude's a great racer, but with laps, that'll come for sure. It, uh, you, I can pass it. No, if the thing was green or red when I went by it, I can tell you that much right now. Yeah. <laughs> now with everything being new, you're kind of like the front runner of everything. You know, you have to do all your sponsor stuff. What's what's been the hardest thing so far? Uh, you know, this off season with all the, you know, media and everything that you're you're having to do. Uh, I wouldn't. Hard is a maybe not the right word. So just different, right? Um, yeah, because you know I don't usually do four podcasts in a week. That's not a thing that I'm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not thing I'm used to. Uh, so it's just different. Uh, but I actually, I mean, I enjoy this kind of stuff. I enjoy talking to folks like you. It does a lot for our sport and yeah. fun people to talk to too. So it's not like it's a hard job. It's uh it's definitely interesting and a good time. Um, and uh, the administrative stuff. Tim's kind of uh, I'm handle a little bit of that with him, but I did that with Chad's car. So nice. it's, it's not like I'm picking up, you know, responsibilities I've never had before. We're just shifting them to a different team. Right. Now, will you at the track, will you be just specifically just driving and maybe packing your own parachutes or will you also be having hands on the car as well? So uh, one of the beauties of this gag power equipment plan is uh, we work a lot with skag distributors and dealers. and with this program, the way it's set up now with me driving, I will be able to spend a lot of time with those folks. Nice. So I probably won't be as hands-on with the car as I've been in the past. Um, I can't, you know, until we get up there and do it, we're going to have where we'll see where it lands, but uh, I'll be spending a lot of time with, uh, with folks out in the, the skag tent. Now, what are your rituals? Like, do you have everybody has their thing that they do when they get to the starting line? You know, uh, a basketball player uh, maybe dribbles three times and, and kind of sits a little bit and then he shoots his free throw. What's your ritual at the starting line that you do every time so that you can be consistent? So, as far as uh, staging the thing, it is a terrible idea in drag racing to have a predictable ritual, right? So, if someone, if somebody knows, Dan goes in first every time. He lights. We both light them top balls, and he has to put his bottom ball on first. That guy will try to get in before you every single time. So I try as hard as I can to not have uh, a routine, so to say, once that starts. But I do uh, – so before I turn the top ball on, I don't know. This is just some advice Tim gave me when I was 11, when I, when I raced junior dragsters. So – uh, they'll pull me up, they'll, they'll wait, and as soon as Hartman or Tim walks away, take a deep breath, and I close my visor, and I do that every single time. I try to get a good get a good burst of oxygen in the old lungs. And yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's really the only routine I got. 
that seems like that would be something to calm you down right before it, everything. You kind of get that moment. It's like a millisecond of a Zen moment so that you can be 100% focused. You would be shocked how peaceful that moment is. It doesn't really? seem like it should be peaceful, yeah. but the, the time right between when they pull you up and they they'll give you a thumbs up, like, all right, go get a man. That two seconds is one of the most peaceful times in my entire life. I mean, you're not thinking about, uh, you know, back when I was in college, you're thinking about the final exam coming up. You're not thinking about the stack of paperwork on your desk. You're not thinking about the fights you haven't booked to the next race. All you are thinking about is getting that race car to the end. And it is, uh, I wish everyone could experience that moment. It's incredibly zen. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Now, when you were named the the driver of this car, uh, is there anybody, any of the uh, veterans reached out to you and and maybe lended some words or uh, words of encouragement? I was uh, I was pretty shocked. I had a handful of people that shot me some texts. People that had to get my number from other people, even. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It was it was really cool. I had uh, and honestly, you know. Uh, all these drivers are super cool dudes. They're super important to me and, and ladies. Uh, yeah. But almost, I had a couple of crew chiefs reach out to me and tell me, it was almost, it was almost cooler. Like these were my peers I'd been working with the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they reached out and said, Hey man, that's super awesome. We're super stoked for you. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's it a huge great. family out there. So, I mean, it's not surprising. Um, you know, drag racing is, is a lot different than most sports. So it's not surprising, but that is really cool. Uh, that people reached out and, uh, you know, gave you some some data boys. I like that. That's yeah, really yeah. cool. What's your favorite thing you like to do in your pastime other than drag racing? Well, I have two kids. I have a wife and two kids. So <laughs> that's work <laughs> right now. <laughs> we, uh, actually, and it, I mean, it, it, it leads in. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do, right? <laughs> when we get yeah. a chance and we're on off weekends, uh, we try to hit up a zoo, try to hit up somewhere around here. We go try to go somewhere uh, not in exactly town, but uh, right. I like I like hanging out with my family. Uh, we have a good time, and my little daughter's of the age where we're starting to look at junior dragsters too. So, and she's uh, she, I can't say that she's like over moon excited, but she hasn't said she's not excited. So we got something to work with there. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I know a lot of people. When it comes to sports, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, I know some don't want to push their kids into it. They want to kind of let them make their own decision. Is that the approach that you're taking as well? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think yeah. anytime you, if you make somebody do something, whether they're seven or seventy, if you make them do it, uh, they're automatically not super excited about it, right? Yeah. But if they want to do it, uh, then I think it opens up a whole new window. So. Uh, she had watched she was when i first explained her I and mean, she's five right now right so yeah when i had first explained it to her she thought she was driving nitro cars she's like i'm not doing that <laughs> you nuts what's wrong with you there's no way but i i and it took me this is how dumb i am too it took me a minute to realize that she, she hadn't been exposed to the whole world of drag racing yet so she didn't realize i was talking about a little car right so we got to st louis i was like you wouldn't drive one of these she goes oh one of these i thought you meant so <laughs> then she got kind of excited so we'll yeah. see we'll see how it goes that's pretty cool yeah it's that is cool <laughs> um you know when you look at you're gonna be racing a full season um you've 
crew chief on a lot of these tracks. Uh, which one is the one that you're most excited to drive on? Uh, you know, <coughs> pardon me, sorry, I'm still a little under the weather, but uh, I think there's a handful of them, and I uh, I'm a big fan of indie just because I probably. I mean, Indy's the big go, right? Everybody loves Indy. But I've been to Indy probably 33 times. I mean, I've been to like 33 of them. And that's a lot for anybody. Uh, nonetheless, the guy's like 35, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like my home. It's, it's a little bit further away than St. Louis and Chicago, but it's kind of like my home track. So I always yeah. get up for that one. Uh, Tim has an amazing race car in Seattle. So I'm pretty excited to drive that sucker there. That'll be yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, you know, a handful of track, tracks with some char- with some character. I like. I'm all about that. Now you're uh, this rookie of the year thing. It, it got like bottlenecked really quickly. <laughs> yeah, it, got, it got goofy on me real fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, you got smoke. You got you. Um, there's uh, Ida. Who else am I missing here? Um, I think there's a young lady coming up in pro stock. Yeah, uh, it was young lady in pro stock. Uh, man, if you wouldn't have asked me now, I could have told you his name. The dude driving the Vincent Hines bike. Oh, yeah, uh, Richard Gatson. Yeah, that's going to be who, man, if that thing runs anything. like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> his teammate last year, we are going to be in trouble. I mean, Look, I, at first that... I thought, I thought, man, I got to be competing against Tony Stewart for rookie of the year. This is next to impossible. Uh, and then all these other cats come out and I'm like, Man, this is a tough class. But I've I've said this a couple times. I can't I can't put my finger on a class I would have wanted to be in, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to do this for 15 years. So I mean, I wouldn't want to have been in Justin Ashley's class. Probably would have got I mean, that would have been tough. I don't want to be in uh Courtney Force Courtney Force's class, not Mike Neff's class. Nah. nah. And there now I can't go through all of them. I probably should, but they're they in a good class to be in, right? So yeah. uh Hopefully, when we wrap this sucker up at the end of the year, it'll be even cooler for us. We can say, "Yeah, look at all them dudes <laughs> and ladies that we got. Yeah. We got ahead of." It, it is wild to see uh, me being forty-two. Um, you know, I I think when we we say this a lot, though, but I think when you really look at the drivers that are coming in, the drivers that exist now, this has to be the best pool of talent top to bottom that this sport has ever seen. And the reason why I say that is you can't go out here and be number 16 and you're number one. And you just think I'm just going to roll the helmet out here and I'm just going to roll my car up to starting line. And and I'm going to, I'm going to win this round. This is a give me, this is a buy run. Number 16 car. He may not be able to run that low 80, but he's going to go A to B. And if you slip just a little bit, He's gonna get you. Uh, you've been around this sport a long time. What What's your thoughts when you look at drag racing now as a whole with the talent and the performance that's being uh, seen here? Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, there, uh, not in the so part far away past, but there was a time when if you were number one, you kind of looked at the ladder and you went, "All right, in the semis." Ooh, that caps that caps is gonna be tough in the semis you know what i mean right uh but it, it's not that way anymore um the, the there are so many quality cars that go to most of them and now the 
the people that fill in are are also quality cars. It used to be, you know, if you got 10 guys that went to all of them, you had 10 good cars, maybe one guy would show up that had some some decent equipment. And then the rest of them, like you said, were they were just there having fun fillers. Maybe not go down the track, maybe they could. But uh, nowadays, and I mean, we got bit. We were, Chad Green's car was qualified number two at St. Louis and set home first round. I haven't been so mad for a long time. <laughs> but <laughs> it happens, right? Uh, right. I mean, we easily could have got taken out. We were in the finals at Reading, same thing. Uh, we smoked tires against Terry Haddock. Terry, luckily for us, red lit. So it could have been the same story there. I mean, yeah. there's no easy draws out here. Now, your crew, is it the same crew that your dad had, or are there some new people on this crew? Uh, it's the same crew that we ended with last year. So, nice. Consistency yeah, during, is good. That's right. In the middle of the year, they had a little turnover. Uh, but, yeah, at the end of the year, that's what we're starting with, picking right up where we left off. Now, you're leaving – you left Chad – uh, and I know uh, that you left him in, in, you know, the cupboard is not bare. But uh, how did Chad feel uh, once he knew the news of you being able to go over and drive and that you were no longer crewing his car? How did he how did he take that? Well, he uh, he first off, he, he's my buddy, right? He's yeah. he, he's more than a boss. We've become friends over the last couple of years and uh, I could tell. When he first, when I first told him, there was a little bit of like, "Dang it, man, we ran so good, and you're gonna leave." But since he's my friend, I could also hear the, "Oh, I'm super excited for you," because, I mean, this was, I mean, it wasn't a super tough decision to be honest. Because who's gonna turn down driving a race car, right? Especially with my my <laughs> right my like my dad's my buddy too, so we exactly. get along great. He's one of my bestest friends, so driving for him, it wasn't. Uh, terribly hard decision but it wasn't easy either because i mean we had we that chad car it's a good car it's a good group of guys chad's a good guy uh and we had a blast last year so it was tough but um leaving it in the hands of joe serena and dean marinas i'm very confident that those guys are gonna pick up right where we left off that's awesome i you know it's always nice um to have close friends um and it's always cool to have their support. I, I knew it had to be not too easy because I mean, you had a ton of success. I, I really looked at you as one of the up and coming young crew chiefs uh, to be coming up. And Lord knows that, you know, need new young crew chiefs, you know, to continue kind of like, kind of like the NFL, the new young coaches deal. Um, but I do agree with you. If uh, somebody came and asked me if I wanted to drive, um, I'd be like, yeah, but it, it wouldn't be a funny <laughs> car though. I, I'm a top fuel guy. I don't want to be inside that body and I don't like motors in front of me. I would <laughs> tell you what, uh, I, I probably towed that thing back 250 times. Right. I mean, from the time I was like 14 to, you know, 17, yeah. we would make, make a run and I'd hop in it and tow it back. Right. Yeah. And, I thought um, people are really big babies. This isn't that big of a deal, right? And obviously, when you grew up with it, and you, the noise and everything doesn't bother you as much either. But the first time they buckle you in that sucker, and you you're like stuck because when you when you tilt back from the back, you're like sitting up looking over the injector. You're like, oh, this ain't so bad. What are you guys right. complaining about? When you're buckled in and you're stuck in the back, it's a lot different view. I can I can assure you, it is a little different. Yeah, so I, I feel your point. You're not you're not wrong. It's kind of goofy sitting in that thing. <laughs> Now, do you, can you hear the tires beside you? 
so every like when you get done doing burnout you can hear the you can hear the you can hear yeah. like that kind of stuff you can hear that um you know i've seen a couple of videos with uh dudes wearing the glasses yeah that it is insane how accurate the noise is because like body's up it's like super loud body comes down it gets a little bit quieter visor closes gets a little bit quieter i got goosebumps the first time i was like I was like gathering guys around the shop. I was like, you guys gotta come here. This is exactly what it's like. It is just like this. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's awesome. <laughs> that so is, that's cool. The noise in there, it, it's, it, it'll get your attention, but it does yeah. get a little dulled down by the body. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Daniel, I really appreciate the time. Uh, it, you know, it's always cool. This is, I tell people, this has uh, been a show that we, just got started up here. I decided to go live uh, thanks to uh, Monday Morning Racer, Encouragement, and uh, others. Uh, so this is the first time, but it won't be the last time. Uh, have fun at the Pro Superstar Shootout, and uh, I will see you in Gainesville. Thank you, yeah, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, keep up the good work. We appreciate we need, it. We, we need all the help we can get in our sport, and you're doing a good job. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, pal. You have a good one. You too. Daniel Wilkerson, everybody. He's going to be great. I, I, I'm waiting for the first top in interview. That's what I'm waiting for. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be electric. I love it. Uh, and we'll, it doesn't stop here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really happy to get Pro Stock Motorcycle on here. Um, and one of my favorite people at the track. Uh, let's just say he is... Uh, a 49-time winner. He's got 50 number one qualifiers. He has 515 and 211. That's 515 round wins, 211 round losses in 270 races. It is my guy, Eddie Craywick. How's What's it going, you? Eddie? What's going on, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Lots of good stuff coming out over there, Vance and Hines. <laughs> First, I'll talk about Revzilla, which I don't know what that is, but uh, the colors look really cool. What exactly is Revzilla, and how did that relationship and now sponsorship come about? Well, I mean, Revzilla is kind of your your go-to, uh, let's just say your go-to shopping area for the power sports world, whether it be dirt bikes, ATVs, UTVs, you know, drag bikes, whatever it is. I mean, they have leathers, they have all sorts of equipment, safety stuff. So uh, lots of cool things. You can go uh, on the site, Revzilla, check it out and uh, be sure to support it. You know, that's doing some shopping on there today, actually, you know, NHRA had some new, uh, new safety rules that came out with shoes and back protectors and all that needed. So uh, it was actually a really good fit for us right now at this particular time. It's a, a deal Terry Vance put together and, uh, just kind of all worked out, you know, everything right at the right place, right time, got a good program together. They came aboard, not just with, uh, with the drag race team, but our, uh, our bagger team. So we don't just do drag racing. We do a whole bunch of stuff, you know, for us, um, Vance and Heinz Motorsports is kind of a, uh, let's just call it like, uh, like a whole variety. It's a shop that does many different things, whether it's road racing, drag racing, flat track, uh, motocross and then we also do tons of customer work in the uh, cylinder head side of things engine work side of things so there's lots of options uh that that we definitely offer on our end and uh if you're into motorcycle racing check us out 
That's pretty awesome. I I love the color. Like I said, I love the colors. Um, really cool. Uh, one thing I'm surprised about though, and uh, you're stepping back and you're gonna be a crew chief, but man, that dude you got piloting that bike, yeah, is no joke. No, he's um, a bad little dude. That's for sure. <laughs> a lot of people don't really follow the other racing. I was fortunate to be able to kind of get into that uh, thanks to Jack at uh, cycle drag um, saw him a few times at man cup. Um, he reminds me of uh, gauge in the sense that they both really attack the racetrack, but they're really good at kind of being one with that bike. You have to be salivating to be able to tune this bike <laughs> for that type of a driver well rider you know i mean i've been saying for the last few years you know when the opportunity comes with the right person uh i definitely wouldn't mind getting off the seat you know for andrew and i uh we are what i'd like to say is the bigger side of the class i mean we proved it this year we gauge that when you have the right package the right combination of chassis weight clutch the whole deal coming together riding style i mean gauge Gage really what he did uh, this year was pretty impressive. I mean, coming from a, a four-time champion and a six-time champion, Andrew and I, we both stepped back and we said, this might just be the baddest dude ever to get to the pro stock motorcycle category. Um, granted, he's on a phenomenal motorcycle. I mean, Andrew gave him an awesome bike all year. Um, you know, and I just think when you step back and you look at that, you say, well, how are you going to beat that package? And what do you have to do? Well, you got to be focused. You got to be determined and you got to be willing to try things. Yeah. Um, that's how we got there. And that's, you know, that's really the place that we're at. And <clears throat> I said, I'm not retiring. I'm just kind of stepping back. Um, never know. I mean, maybe in a year or two, maybe I'll come back. I don't know, but um, maybe I'll come out this year. Never know, you know, but it's, it's more about right now for me, I think having the excitement and the enjoyment of the tuning side of it, you know, Andrew taught me, a lot of the stuff that I know, if not everything that I know on the tuning side of it. So uh, me and him have the same mindset. We, we both work side by side with each other really well. We bounce a lot of ideas off each other. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. We did it when I was riding the bike, but there's you can get to that next level when you're really on the starting line, watching it, getting to see it. Because when you're on the motorcycle, you feel it, but you don't really get to see it. And uh, I think I have a little bit to improve. I think I can be better no matter what. And uh, Richard's going to have that opportunity to be on the motorcycle. He'll, he'll have, you know, both Andrew and me in, in his corner, just like Gage is going to have Andrew and me in his corner. Um, we work with a couple other people in the, in the class as well. So having that opportunity to, to be able to just like really – Take your laptop, get some raw data, and work on it. We're going to try to really enhance and just be better all the time. Yeah, I when I saw it, I was like, "What? Are, what are they trying to do? Assemble the Avengers? Like, how are you going to beat this?" Like, <laughs> well, well, we are working on two rental bikes, and hopefully, if we can find the right people for those, and you know, we'll, we'll have what we'd like to say is four bad motorcycles in the pit area. Now, how much change from? The bike last year are you having to make to this year for richard so i mean just give you a little bit of insight we tested in uh las vegas richard rode the bike exactly the way i rode it um that weekend 
I think I went 81. Um, and then we basically added the weight. So the difference between Richard and myself, we took, we put the weight on the bike. He's a little bit smaller. He's a smaller package, you know, overall, and not to mention he's lighter. So we took that weight, put it on the motorcycle. I went 106 something, 60 foot. Um, his third run, we went like 105.0. And we knew from there, we were like, okay, we can, we could really massage this thing a little more and get it right to the 104s. And he went 78. So, um, I, I mean, we kind of knew where we needed to be and based off a of gauge and how, how the packages perform. So, uh, we were excited. I, I mean, you don't have to change a whole lot, but you have to have an understanding of what you're changing because it does require, it requires a clutch change, requires, requires chassis, moving weight, doing a bunch of stuff there. Um, you know, and when you get that bike in the window, uh, you know, like we talk about it all the time. Gage's average 60 foot this whole year, I think, was 103.8. And there's, I mean, when you look at it in general, there's people that have never even gone 103. And when the kid lays out 103s everywhere, 102s somewhere, and, uh, you know, it's just it just comes down to, like, he is a machine and if gauge i'm saying gauge is a machine and if richard is even close which i think he will be um it will be good i mean what's my expectations for richard and gauge you know i mean th those guys are going to just be they're going to be good we want to go we want to win races that's it that's what we're we're paid to do and uh andrew and i are are you know hopefully the ones responsible for that and uh we're, we want to give them great motorcycles so you said you've been learning a lot from andrew um, I'm sure you had some say so in your own bike throughout the years, uh, you know, as you set it up, right? You, it's just not like something that's super no. fresh for you. For, for no, no, for sure. I mean, uh, the way it's kind of worked, you know, Matt Hines was my crew chief going up through the early years coming into it, 2018, you know, Andrew and I kind of took the team and, we, we were the ones working on it. Andrew and I were side by side. So since 2018, 19, we've kind of both been responsible for each other's bikes. I mean, there's stuff Andrew asked me when he's tuning his, or there's stuff I ask him when he's, you know, when, when, when I'm tuning mine, but um, ultimately it's, it's a collaboration between both of us. Um, there's no one single person responsible for it, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm usually the one tuning mine. Andrew's tuning his. It's funny because Richard's in the shop working on it and we still call it Eddie's bike. You know, <laughs> Eddie's bike and I call, I call Gage's bike, Andrew's bike, you know, because it's just the way it is. And, you know, we joke about it, but it is, it's my bike. It's Andrew's bike. It's just the way it's, it's been. And me and Andrew have always been like that. And the joke is, you know, it's like, it's no different in the fuel car ranks and, and going in a pro stock car, pro stock car is a little different, but when, when you look at like, you know, you don't talk about Matt Hagen pulling a starting line racing, you know, somebody it's, it's Dickie. That's Dickie's car. Right. And that's just the way it is, whether he likes it or not, he gets to stop, he gets to stomp the pedal and go and drive it to the other end. But in the end of the day, it's Dickie's car and, uh, or, or Robert and, you know, and, and <clears throat> proc, but it's a proc car. That's just the way it is. So, yeah. um, it's weird. We don't really talk about that, but that's the way we do talk about it in our pit. Yeah. Um, you guys have done a lot, uh, especially with the Suzuki program and, and helping the rest of the class. Uh, I know what it in the early time, it was hard for parts and things of that nature. 
has that whole situation like gotten better as far as you know having ready parts ready for other competitors you know in the class I mean, is it totally resolved? No, it's not. It still is a little bit of a struggle. There are certain manufacturers out there that just, um, you know, I, I think the COVID thing was like kind of created three or four different problems, right? So you had supply of materials, you had demand of certain individuals, you had the smaller shops that couldn't make it through it all closed down or struggled and, you know, kind of got away from it or had to do something that, you know, is completely different from what they're doing. So when you look at all that and that all comes together, uh, it just makes it really hard to deliver stuff on time. I mean, for us, Vance and Hines, we've kind of taken a lot of that in-house. Uh, we just purchased another three new pieces of machinery, uh, high dollar ticket items. Unfortunately for us, it's like the only way we can control our lead time is to bring it in-house and to do it. Uh, it, it takes that initial investment. It takes a lot of things to get there. Um, so as we're, as we're working on that and getting better and better, we're going to get better on lead times. We're going to get better on delivery. Um, but it's not something you can solve overnight. I mean, this is for sure. I I think the fuel guys still feel effects, you know, just trying to get like valves, for instance, valves, pistons, rods, a lot of these, um, what I'd like to say is, uh, it, it, expendable components, you know, stuff that you're going to go through quite often uh it's a lot harder to get so you have to you have to kind of ration through it and make sure you know you're you're getting your money's worth and your timeline out of it not to mention quality control has become a struggle too yeah yeah um that you know i, I was Hell, you can't even get a cheeseburger sometimes at some of these places right right exactly i mean it's it's really tough i know working in uh you know maintenance area uh, it's very difficult. And now some places have even gone and said, Hey, yeah, you can buy this part, but it, it's a 10 day lead time before I can, before I'm going to send it to you. But Hey, if you want it earlier, uh, you can pay $8,000 for shipping it earlier and I can get it to you then. But otherwise you got to wait 10 days. Yesterday has, has been interesting. I honestly, that's not something we adapt. I don't believe in ripping somebody off. Yeah. It's not cool. Something. Um, I, I believe in doing business honest, be fair with somebody, be upfront and tell them the truth. They may not want to hear the truth, you know, but hey, it's going to take three weeks to get that. And, and we try to deliver on time. And, and you know, if you're not going to, you need to let the person know. But uh, with all honesty, uh, I just think being upfront and truthful with people is the way to do business. Now, everybody knows that nobody's going to do anything to sabotage the class. Um you're you guys give out quality parts everybody gets the same thing it's just about application right uh it's about the work that you do in the shop and getting everything to marry so that it it actually shows up on the racetrack yeah it's it's not just that though it's also so you know i mean we're a supplier of parts and pieces we're an engine supplier we're a we're a competitor and we're building stuff out there um right the last thing we'd ever want to do is give somebody a part that's not, you know, not sufficient or or call it a blam or, or a problem because, you know, that's a direct reflection on us and, and we don't want to do that. Um, you know, for, for us, the one thing that we have really learned uh, is the fact that you can go fast and hurt parts and you can go fast and have a happy engine. Um, and a lot of people think just because you're going fast, 
you shouldn't hurt anything or you're saying, oh, well, it, it was good. No, I mean, you could be hurting stuff quite often when you really think you shouldn't be. Um, the Suzuki for Andrew and I, that was the whole, that was the, the enticing thing for us. It was different. It's not the V-twin. It was going to take, uh, let's just say, some new brain power and looking into resources of, you know, leaning on some people's shoulders of, of who we do business with to ask questions and kind of probe around to understand because that's what was intriguing to us is we're going to tune a new platform here. We want to be better. We want to understand. And as we dove into it, as the year went on, I mean, the first year that we came out, the bike, bike ran really well. Weren't as consistent, ran okay, you know, at a lot of places, but not the best. And then 2021, we ran good everywhere with, with that bike. We struggled with mine. We used mine as an R&D bike. Um, that was when Angel was riding. We used my bike as the R&D bike. And then yeah. when Gage came aboard, I mean, I'd say the package was really refined. Uh, everybody knew the motorcycle was fast. It just, we needed some consistency there. And with Gage, brought some extra consistency, worked on it got the bike really into a window. And when that happened and it just all clicked together, I mean, kind of just went on a steamrolling deal. You saw on mine the second half of the year where we were done testing. We kind of got my bike back in a window. We knew what we needed to do. It was really uh, Norwalk is where I started to turn the corner, went mm -hmm. on a Western swing, kind of went to some final rounds, ran gauge. And um, I mean, man, from, from there going on to the countdown, I had a great motorcycle. Uh, I screwed up a couple of rounds early in the year. I was still trying to learn how to ride the bike. And to this day, I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect on a Suzuki. Um, right. you're, you're always going to learn. And what you need to do is, uh, you know, you have to go out there and learn every time. Right. Before you answer this question, um, you know, you talk about, you know, the work that's being done uh, at the shop and supplying. Um, when it comes to the class, you got two, you know, you got the V twins now. Um, you feel like it's just a matter of you guys have worked hard to get gauge and to get those bikes to where they are. And it's just a matter of, you know, everybody else hasn't really caught up yet. Uh, I, Cause I hate the, well, we're going to throw some weight on or we're going to do this to punish people for working hard. I'm not a fan of that at all. Well, I, I don't think we could dispute the best V twin didn't race last year. Right. So how are you going to put the bar of the class for all that when the best bike wasn't racing at all, all year? Um, it's really hard to say on that. Um, do I think it would run with us? Yeah, I think it should have been pretty close. But here's what it comes down to, where I think we raised the bar for the whole category was the consistency of getting to the 60 foot and 330 clock and carrying the momentum. Yeah. When you take, and I mean, this was the argument all year long in pro stock motorcycle. I said, we should have a round table and get everybody together because I'd love to, I'd love to hash it out. But when you're going 108, 60 foot and the guy next to you is going 103 and he's a 10th ahead of you at the 330 clock, do you even think without blatantly cheating with nitrous, you're never going to get around that package. It's just no. not going to happen. The thing that, most people don't want to acknowledge or understand is the faster you can use up the track, the front half of the track, the more you can keep gearing, the more you can keep doing things like that. That's going to carry the momentum from, let's just say a three thirty clock to the finish line. So right. when we were able to do that, I mean, there were things we learned with Gage's bike that when we did it, it just got that much faster because now you start getting it right. 
And he does it so good and so consistent all the time. Man, I'll tell you, the guy is a machine. He is, uh, it impressed the heck out of myself and Andrew. And for, for him to do that, every single lap, like I said, was just pure impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Briar says, uh, favorite moment or memory of your career uh, with the exception of winning the championship? Well, that, that, that's an interesting one. I, I always remember my first win in Atlanta. Um, Atlanta was, I, I got it 2009 at night. I, I actually won the race and then it started to downpour just about right after the final dragster went through. I think it was Morgan Lucas that won that. Uh, Jack Beckman in, in Funny Car. I raced a kid named Doug Horn in the final and it was, uh, it was dark out. That was, that was a great win for me. The bittersweet thing was in 2007, the place that I didn't qualify was that place, you know? So, wow. um, you know, but it, Atlanta was always a cool win for me, but, uh, I tell everybody my, my most fond memory is probably a championship. I didn't win. I lost by two points to Hector Arana senior in 2009, you know? So for me, I, I like, I came off this championship year in 2008 that didn't feel like a championship year. I didn't win a race. Granted, I won the money race. I won the, the Ringers pro bike battle at that time. Right. Um, and it was, it was really a great, great thing. And man, I enjoyed it. But um, at the end of the year, I lost championship by two points. I smoked the tire twice in Pomona, didn't get off the starting line. And I was like, that was the two points that I needed. And uh, at the end of the day, Came down to it, won the race, did everything we could out of you know out of our control. Lost it by two points. Yeah, that that's tough. Yeah, <laughs> that's real tough. Yeah. Now, I, my last question, Eddie, is so they you know the the pro folks are having their pro superstar shootout. Um, I know you guys have a, are separate or have a different association association that you have. Um, first, is there any way that those two associations could have worked something out? One, two, since you guys have your own association, could you guys do something similar for pro stock motorcycle? Absolutely. We did. We, we've done it a couple times. Uh, we did it years ago. Capital Raceway held a, uh, a shootout earlier in the year. That's where Hector, Hector senior went 200 in like 2014 or 15. I did it in Valdosta in 2011. I went uh, 200.8 miles an hour. And actually, my first official 200 mile an hour run was 200.8 also. It was pretty funny with the exact same ET. It was like, it's like a carbon <laughs> copy of the time slip. I was like, this is stupid. I'm looking at it in Sonoma, like, this is crazy. But, um, you know, so we did talk, we discussed it. I, I mean, ultimately, I'll say it, it comes down to money, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, Pro stock cars, a lot of well-funded individuals and teams in there. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of full-time teams, I'd like to say, in there as well. Same thing, yeah. Top Fuel Funny Car. You know, when you trickle down the pro stock motorcycle, you know, Matt Smith said it a couple of years ago, and it, it got a lot of people upset calling people hobby racers and doing things like that. You know, so I'm just saying it. But, you know, it's like we're not hobby racers. We're professional racers. The problem is, is in the category, there's maybe two or three – different individuals or teams that do it for a living. Right. Unlike, you know, pro stock car, there's basically two pro stock car teams that do it for a living, but they supply the whole entire field. Yeah. All like 16 cars literally are theirs. 
So, right. you know, when you look at that, does it make sense for those two guys to support and throw in a couple hundred grand to have a race? Of course. Yeah. So, you know, for us, it came down to money. Uh, we, we did. We talked some of it. It's just uh, the category I don't think is at that point where I don't want to call it not healthy enough because I right. think the category is plenty healthy. Um, but it's it's not full of a bunch of well-funded teams that could throw up that type of money. I mean, if we're going to do that, we want to race for 50 grand, you know, or 100 of course. grand. You know, yeah. we're do this. It's like we, we need to go out there and race for some serious cash. Um, that's what this deal is about. Um, you know, NHRA is really good to us. They treat us well. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we, we know we're not burning nitro and we're not a top fuel car. And, you know, that's a hard sell when you have header flames six feet high and you know, 10,000 <laughs> horsepower going down the track. You know, of course, the fans love that. But the great thing with the motorcycle people is we all have personalities. We all tend to, you know, wear our hearts on our sleeve here and we're vocal. And uh, that's the one thing that I would say really sets the motorcycle class apart from everybody else is we're not afraid to basically call somebody out. And uh, I mean, I talk trash. I did it pretty much my whole career and I still do now. I'm not stopping. Trust me. <laughs> hey, I love it. I, I, I will talk trash. Trust me. Whether it's me, <laughs> Richard, Gage, whoever it is, I just now I just got to be like, I can't be the one that screwed up. Maybe the rider will, you know. But, right. Yeah. You know, so um, it's great. But I get what they're doing and I understand it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's all about growth of the sport and trying to grow the class. How do you think or what do you think could be done to uh, make, I won't, I won't say healthy because I think there's a lot of great bikes there, but what would help have more full-time teams? Do you think that could be a possibility? What's going on with Pro Stock, with the KB, Titan, and, and Elite? Could you, you think you could see something like that possible? Yeah, I mean, Matt Smith's got his couple rental bikes. That's why we're mm -hmm. starting to do it. I mean, we're looking at, we need to build a class. The next three to five years, we really need to focus on getting new blood. I mean, that's really one of the uh, strategic sides of me getting off the motorcycle. We need new blood in the class. You know, there, there was the Andrew Hines error. There's the Matt Smith error. There's the Eddie Prawick error. There's, you know, go through it. You have it. We need to get it. I, like right now, I think we're rolling into the Gage Herrera. You know, that's yeah. where we are. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some interesting things over the years. I'm really excited with Mission coming aboard for the series sponsor. I mean, we were the ones that kind of introduced Mission into the category a couple of years ago. They came aboard. We have a, a, a great relationship with those guys over there. JG, Mr. Gonzalez is, is a great guy, just loves racing himself. And uh, he, he supported us when when we lost Harley. So it's it's been a great program. Now that we're on the Suzuki stuff, we're growing. But to see them come aboard for the series, I mean, not a lot of people really recognize how much of a global powerhouse Mission Foods is. So um, to have them as our series sponsor and the way that they can activate within all the other markets and brands is huge for us. So uh, it's, I, I got so many texts my first year when mission came aboard as cardboard cutouts of me and guys taking pictures and doing dumb things with it. You know, <laughs> I, just, I don't want to sit here and talk about, but you, you know, so you have this stuff that is all over the supermarkets, you know, yeah. is where all, just think about it. How many times you go to the supermarket, you know, and, and every week. So you see these things, it's, it's a constant reminder. So 
to have somebody like that involved in the series is huge for us. It's great for NHRA. I just think, you know, now we need to get some of that blood infused in and hopefully some money. I mean, we, our stuff, our sponsor now with, uh, with Revzilla, they are an outside of the wheelhouse of NHRA. This is the yeah. first time ever doing it, being in the motorsport side of it, sponsorship stuff. So we need more people to activate like that. And if, if the sport can get four or five of those to come in over the next two years, I think it'll really change it. I mean, Tony Stewart was a great thing for NHRA. I mean, we all know it. Everybody, everybody kind of beats them up about it, but it's at the end of the day, when you look at it and the global powerhouse that he is in motorsports for all the things he owns and is involved in, I mean, it's a huge deal. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's 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 something that's um it's refreshing. Uh, and I like the fact that there's still multiple sponsors for the series, but um this is something that can kind of get that uh, be in your face type of deal on a regular basis. So people don't forget and it attracts new people to say, Hey, what is that? Um, and I, I think with the pro stock motorcycle class uh, it's education. Um, I wasn't a guy that paid attention to it much. Um, you know, all the, all the other three classes were things I watched, but as I got to learn more about it, um, Pro Stock Motorcycle is one of the coolest classes out there, in my opinion. Um, and with all this extra new stuff being infused, like you guys have Revzilla. And I've talked about that, too, with Tony coming in. I was hoping we get some of these obscure NASCAR type sponsors, whether it's M&Ms, whatever it is. But something obscure that kind of comes in and says, hey, you know what? I want to be a part of this, too. And once you start having one or two come in. The floodgates should open up. I mean, this product is doing nothing but get getting better. Yeah, I, I think I think more people will recognize. And you know, the thing that I look at is competition's good, right? You know, right. If, if you have competition, like I, I, I really don't like that when we say it's like, oh, that's an exclusive deal. That's all that you know. That's the only person who can come in here because you know, at the end of the day, competition drives that. And it's like, if you have, look at NASCAR years ago, it used to be Tide, Snuggle, you know, like yeah. all the fabric, you know, all the different, you know, soaps or fabric softeners, they were all there. Right. Um, you know, and I, I think this is the opportunity for NHRA to have such a, uh, uh, what I'd like to say, a powerhouse company like Mission Foods to be uh, at the front with a title sponsorship is, is huge. Indeed. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Uh, Eddie, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, I tell, been telling everybody this. Everybody knows I'm going to say this every time, but it's the first time, but not the last time. Uh, man, I I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, you guys are going to be cooking up in the kitchen for those bikes. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it'll be good. We're looking forward to Gainesville. I mean, definitely, uh, definitely going to be prepared. We're we're ready. I think usually you go to Gainesville. You know, yeah. where I met you for the first time many many moons ago. I think it was probably like 2010, maybe or something. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I've been doing this for this long now. <laughs> it's great. And we we appreciate it. Trust me, any bit of media out there is good media for us. So uh, we're 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 happy to help you out if I can and do whatever I can for you. I appreciate it, Eddie. Thank you so much, and uh, have a good night, my man. Thanks, man. You too. Take care. Eddie Craywood, one of the best of the business. Uh, very, very cool stuff. I'm glad you guys were 
putting questions out there. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I meant to get this off, but this is what it's going to look like for them. Uh, that's their trailer. Um, they're going to have a, a bagger team. I don't know if you guys know anything about that, but um, really cool stuff to see bagger motorcycles out there racing. Um, you you kind of see that in Man Cup. You see it in a couple other the motorcycle series. Uh, these are what the bikes are going to look like. Uh, really like that color, man. It, it's it's cool looking. I'm partial to a orange and black type deal. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we're going to get into our NFL segment really quickly. We're kind of up on time. We had such great conversations. So uh, I'm going to go really quick. Uh, this is what we're looking like here. And your playoff bracket. It is one versus three in both of those. Uh, you will have the Detroit Lions going to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, will, the Kansas City Chiefs will go to Baltimore uh, to play the Baltimore Ravens. Look, uh, the previous round, uh, Buffalo does Buffalo stuff and wets the bed. Uh, I don't want to hear anybody blaming Josh Allen. Josh Allen played his butt off. Uh, coaches made some blunders. Uh, don't go for it on your own 30 when you – It's uh, I think it was like – 14:38 or 13:38 uh in the fourth quarter too much time on the clock to be doing that that was not do or die time uh an unfortunate kick missed it seems like buffalo that's the story right um always something small uh they'll get there though i don't think the window is closing uh if the ownership does a good job they'll reboot and they'll be back uh houston what you know uh what can you say about them uh, great stuff for D'Amico Ryan's. Very proud of that. And uh, C.J. Stroud uh, really proving people wrong. Uh, good stuff there. They're going to be good for a long time uh, in a division that's wide open. Uh, they're the best in that division. Um, I, I figured that the Lions are just too much for Tampa Bay. Uh, nobody expected Tampa Bay to get that far anyway, so it doesn't even matter. They should be happy about where they are. Baker Mayfield playing really good football. Uh, you know, really good football, making really good throws. We, we know he likes to sling it. He's a gunslinger, but he, he really did a good job. And uh, Green Bay Packers, uh, young team. Uh, I think Green Bay fans should be ecstatic about where they are. I know, um, you know, Love was Favre-esque at the end, uh, but he was trying to make a play. Um, maybe wasn't the right play. But, hey, I think Green Bay is starting to move back. Uh, I know the Vikings probably should be nervous and uh, it's going to be a tough division. You talk about a young green Bay team, you got the lions here, uh, the Vikings. Um, it, it's going to be something else. I'm looking forward to that NFC North deal. So let's talk about what we're looking at here. Ravens, Kansas city Chiefs, And I'm going to tell you just like this. Kansas City is 15 in points uh, per game. Uh, they are second in points allowed. Not very good. Not very good. Um, you're talking about a team that really got run over in the running game. Um, it came down to a few plays, really. But uh, you got a three-headed monster over there with Lamar, and uh, Edwards, Hill, really a four-headed monster if you throw in Cook. I just think it's going to be too much. I think it starts with the run game. If the defense can't get enough stops, which 
they didn't play well until Buffalo started beating themselves. Um, you know, I, I'm I don't know what to tell you. I, I will tell you this. This is this is what I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm going for. Right. Now I would just like to introduce y'all to the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yeah. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. Whoop. I'm about that. Whoop. Big trust. Whoop. 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 Lamar Jackson Big in the flesh. Big yes, sir. Big, Big trust. Big trust, baby. That's where I'm going. Um, you know, MVP. Hey. Hey, she she gonna she gonna have her feelings hurt this weekend in Baltimore. We in Baltimore in, in my home state of Maryland. We ain't playing that. So uh, I'm going with Lamar, uh, the MVP. I I think this is this is their Super Bowl to lose. He's playing at all time high. Um, defense is playing well. They've gotten better and better. Uh, Clowney is just all over the place, uh, really, really doing a good job in the run game. Um, I, I can't, I, I can't uh, do. Hey, go Chiefs, Caleb! I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. It, it's the buck stops here in Baltimore. You, you, you got Pat, but but they got Lamar, and Lamar's playing at his best. The buck stops there. Uh, you ain't got enough firepower on offense for this defense. But uh, love your enthusiasm. I know you're going to go for him, man. I know you are. That's your team. I expect it. <laughs> he says bad choice. Bad choice. I'm going with Maryland all day. Um, but, yeah, yeah, he's a – Caleb is a big, big Chiefs fan. Um, good kid. Good kid. Uh, Lions, absolutely. I Look, my Super Bowl pick was Ravens 49ers early in the season. Um, I really feel like Dan Campbell has got this team playing like Dan Campbell, biting kneecaps. And I expect for them to come out and continue to do that. Uh, we saw Brock Purdy over the last, it's even in week 18, the offense kind of stumbled a little bit. It's a little bit to do with Brock. It's a lot to do with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is doing what we've seen him do as an offensive coordinator in Atlanta, the 28-3 game, and he's gotten away from the run. Uh, doing a lot of things, wide receiver handoffs, end uh, arounds uh, type deal. You're throwing the ball over the all over the yard. It starts with the run game for the 49ers offensively. If you're going to put the ball in the air and you've got to – Debo Samuel, that's a little dinged up, play, may play, may not play. Um, I think in Baltimore, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, I mean, in 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 their own home stadium, it's going to be tough against a Lions team that that is just they're they're just punching people in the mouth. Jared Goff's playing very good football. They have a two-headed monster in the running game, mainly Gibbs, who's going to be a problem. They had a problem last week in stopping the run uh, with Green Bay. Really could have been a different game if some things went differently. But you're going against a team that's on a roll, 
Uh, they've got something to prove. And I think really being on the road for the Lions is best because now this team can focus on football and not on how many tickets they got to get for family members for this game in Detroit. They'll be more focused. Dan Campbell will have this team focused. Uh, I, I really feel like Shanahan's going to beat himself. He's going to fall right into the hands of the sluggers we call the Detroit Lions. And as much as I have said that the 49ers will be in the Super Bowl, I'm going to go with the Lions in this one. Uh, it's going to be two great games, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think this is anything different than what we saw last week with those games. They were really electrifying. Very close coming down to the fourth quarter. That's exactly what you want to see. Um, and I have to say that the officiating has been really good. We've had some questionable little things, but nothing major. Nothing that was going to cost anybody any games. So, we'll see. We'll see. I Man, I'm just excited for some good football. <laughs> ah, he's the MVP, Caleb. The MVP. All day. I know a lot of people thought CJ Stroud should have been the MVP and you know, he he made a case but Lamar's just playing crazy good football. So, uh, I'm looking forward to him getting another MVP and he's very focused. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh man, what a great show that we had here tonight. Uh thank you guys so much for your participation, um your comments. It's good. <laughs> yeah yeah I'm afraid word is going to have something to say about it for sure for the Not Bland show I am Dujanae Bland we're powered by sportsjourney.com and everything Nitro man until next time I'm Dujanae Bland we're out of here